by the E The H and I see Reppin' New York City Live and direct Cause he always come correct yeah. When he does an interview with makes the streets all connect He stimulates the brain The immobile device And he smash like the Hulk When he claps you with advice It's all about the news When he drops and beats home yeah. So pay close attention Shit's about to explode Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Coming to you live from the Upper West Side in New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Ephraim Guzman, and my guest today, she's an author. She's a fellow podcaster. Her podcast show is called The Lightable Red, and you can check it out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and your other outlets. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Juliette Miranda. Hello, Juliette. How are you? Hey there. Doing well. Oh, everything is good by you? You know, everything is actually going absolutely fabulously today. Oh, I'm sorry for my voice. I caught a frog. I'm not really sure. So if I sound kind of staticky, it's my voice. Oh, no worries at all. I'm sure it's probably the weather, right? It's uh, pretty cold out there right now. No, actually not, because it's it was today in the high 40s, and then yeah. Yesterday was in the 50s, and we're still in winter weather, but I had a North Face jacket, and, the, and you, you see people with skirts and denim jackets, so the weather is just really confusing in the city. So, I don't know. It's similar to Chicago. Chicago, the weather is cold? Well, today was actually pretty unfortunate. We got a whole bunch of snow that kind of came out of nowhere, but fingers crossed that this is the last time that's going to happen. You are also an author um, yourself. Um, you wrote the book Morning Neuroses. Um, what is that book um, basically about? My Morning Neuroses is my memoir. So it's about the time that I spent living in Los Angeles, you know, uh, working in the music industry, dating musicians, and then kind of how I reconciled all that and, you know, came to terms with myself. Kind of a, a rock and roll coming of age story. Um, but, um, what did, could you explain what exactly happened? Well, it's kind of, it's, um, it's like a rock and roll coming of age story. You know, I was working in the music industry for a couple of years, got laid off a bunch of times and, uh, I had to move back to Chicago to take a job because I just, I was, um, you know, I'd been out of work for a while and, uh, fell into a relationship that was just, you know, I thought it was perfect and it was just wrong, wrong on so many levels. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of worked through the relationship and then, you know, come to terms with, you know, what I really wanted to do with my life. Um, you know, the, you know, people who go to Chicago from California is like a totally like, you know, they call California la la land. Um, how was your experience with California? Oh, California is crazy. You know, I don't know <laughs> if I could ever live there again. It's just, I, I think La La Land is the perfect description for it. You know, on one side, it's beautiful. You know, you've got everything that you could possibly want. The mountains, the ocean, gorgeous weather, beautiful people. But, you know, underneath that, it's just such a brutal city to live and work in. You know, it's incredibly expensive. Y you never really know who your friends are, you know, because everybody's kind of angling for something. Was your goal, like, to be an actress or anything like that? Like, you know, everybody who goes to California wants to be in the, um, in the entertainment field. Um, was that kind of your primary goal? Yes and no. Um, I moved out to California from uh, after I graduated college because I wanted to work in TV production. You know, I, I either wanted to, like, host on MTV or, you know, work for E! or something like that. So uh, it didn't quite work out that way. You know, I, I had a very brief stint as an infomercial hostess and then uh, did a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes work. And then that's when I kind of started doing more uh, writing and, um, like, work with the musicians. 
Oh, um, is there any kind of infomercials that we probably would know? Oh God, no, <laughs> no, it was it was such a shady thing. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. You know, I didn't get like mugged or dragged into a rape van or something because it was just so like under the table. You know, they paid me in cash. <laughs> we we shot it on a used car lot. Uh, you know, it was like some guy's cousin, and we had to like be in and out of there really quick. And it was just the whole thing was really weird. So uh, I wouldn't say it was legitimate. Oh my god! It sounds like some kind of vivid video thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny too because when I auditioned for it, I got the sneaking impression that they did porn on the side, and I mean, it was in the valley, right? And that's when porn was like, you know, the valley was the porn capital of the world. Yeah. Uh, so they really could have been doing that stuff on the side too. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so um, your experience in California, it was like good and bad. Did you, did you meet a lot of connections out there? Did you meet a lot of good friends, business stuff? Well, no. <laughs> it, you know, the thing about it, you know, like I said, everybody's angling out there. And I mean, I met yeah. a ton of people, you know, I, I dated a whole boatload of rock stars, uh, but I really didn't, you know, take anything away from that personally. You know, I'm, I'm here today and I can't say that I'm in touch with anybody that I knew when I lived out there. Any rock stars we would know, or oh yeah, oh yeah. Could you name a few? Yeah, I, I write about them. I write about them in the book, actually. But the thing is, I turned it. I changed all their names in the book because you know I can't actually talk about them that way. So I can <laughs> never tell who I was with. But yes, you all know who they are. Okay, certain popular songs that you know people would hear in their car while they're driving, and like, ah, oh, okay. Well, not today so much because that music, I, they were, there were a lot of hair bands. Uh, uh, so, okay, you know, okay. they're not as popular anymore. But, and this was, you know, this was a good 15 years ago. Um, how would you describe yourself? Uh, then or now? <laughs> I'm two entirely different people. All right. Um, how would you describe yourself then? Well, I think then I was incredibly uh, naive. I really, I went out there assuming that, you know, dreams just come true and that, you know, if, if you, uh, just, you know, we're there, it would, success would find you. I didn't really have the same dedication to work that I do now. You didn't have the same dedication that you said you have now. Um, going out there and, you know, networking and doing some infomercials. And um, is there like a certain aspect when people go out there? Because I know a lot of people, who, like you said, they go to California because they're chasing their dreams and they want to accomplish something. Um, did you feel that did you fail in that aspect of it, or did you feel that you accomplished what you needed while you were there? Oh, I completely failed. I, and But I don't regret it. I think that I absolutely needed to do it because it was something that I'd been... I'm proud of the fact that I went out there and that I did the best that I could for the time. But yeah, I mean, I, it really... I think the best thing that came out of it was the fact that I was forced to come back to Chicago and reevaluate you know, what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do with myself. So you know, the the fact that I'm here today and I'm having the success that I've had, that's, you know, because of that failure. So what happens when you went um, when, when you went back to Chicago? What did you do? Like, what, what, like, what was the start of um, everything Like when you, came, when you came back to Chicago? I came back to Chicago because I'd been out of work in L.A. for just about a year. And I had a job offer back in Chicago at a very small TV studio doing production work. So that was what motivated me to come back. The job didn't work out so well, but because of uh, that, I actually started writing a column for a local newspaper. And that was what started my uh, real 
dedication to the craft of writing. And your passion for writing, do you write more about yourself? Do you write like fiction? What is your... Mostly I write about myself. I do a lot of uh, essay writing, kind of in the style of somebody like, say, David Sedaris. But I also do more... I'm working on a fiction book right now, so I, I do both. Fiction is a little bit newer for me, and I'm not quite as confident in it as I am writing about myself, but it's all, you know, just a big experiment. Um, can you talk a little bit about the fiction one you got coming up? Sure. Uh, the book is called New Orleans Love Story, and it's the, um, it's the story of three different people and how their lives cross paths over 24 hours in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Yeah, because you talk about New Orleans a lot, especially in um, your podcast. Um, New Orleans has a it's a, spe- it's a special place for you, and you really love the bourbon. So um, tell me about New Orleans. What, what, what is it about New Orleans that attracts you? Oh, everything. It's <laughs> truly a magical place. You know, you go there, and the people just, they have such great stories. You know, the entire area is just full of such life and and magic, you know, you, you can't walk anywhere without, you know, kind of feeling like you're a special guest at somebody's family party. You know, you just, you're welcomed into this, this exciting and, you know, kind of dark, you know, a little mysterious at, um, atmosphere. And it's just, it's encompassing and, and wonderful. And just, it, it's just, it's where I belong. Yeah. Um, I was out there last year with my wife. Her, her friend went to school in NYU, so we sat at her place, and we were there for the whole Mardi Gras. And it's just so amazing that, you know, she gets up in the morning, has a plastic cup of alcohol, and goes out the door. And, you know, in New York, <laughs> you know, you get up and you just buy a, a dollar coffee from, like, the cart guys. But, you know, over there, she gets up and has her liquor in the morning in the plastic cup, and they have drive through margaritas. It's, 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 it's insane, but... You know, you figure this would happen in New York or probably Chicago. You know, the cops would go crazy, but over there, it's fine. It's so weird. That's the best part of it, is that you've got this this kind of lazy, roll-with-it attitude. Yeah. It's it's so fun, and I, I, I love that, you know, you can just wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, you know, grab yourself a, you know, a bourbon and just wander the streets for hours and just do that all day long. I would be the biggest drunk in the world if I lived there, of course, but uh, it would be fantastic. I think everybody that lives there is sort of like a functioning alcoholic, you know, but not in a bad way because, you know, even being there, I haven't heard or seen any accidents when I was there, but it's kind of funny, though, because they had a caution sign where they said, where, I think it was a, from the New Orleans police, walk in large groups. And, you know, I live in New York City, <laughs> And we don't even have a sign like that. But I thought it, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm, I'm walking with two girls in the street. What's going to happen to me? Um, did you see that type of sign when you were there? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I go there so often now that I kind of have all those signs memorized. They make me laugh. Um, but it's it's very true because, you know, as fun as it is, uh, there's definitely a, a very strong tourist crowd there who isn't as aware of their surroundings as they should be. You know, so you start bumbling around these side streets after dark. Uh, and it's it's very easy, you know, to uh, you know get get held up, you know, get your wallet stolen, whatever. It's you know, it, it's a wonderful city, but it definitely you know has its um has its moments. Uh, let me ask you a question: Did you flash for Mardi Gras? <laughs> Every single pair of beads I have, I earned. <laughs> all right, all right, cool, cool. And um, 
Um, did you have the hurricane? And is, um, is that a drink you like? Actually, I, I'm proud to say I've never had a hurricane. Uh, what? It's what I haven't. I? I'm just not a fan of sweet drinks, and that's just such a syrupy, sticky drink. It's just not something I would enjoy. So tell me about your drink. Bourbon is your passion, right? That's basically your go-to drink? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am a bourbon girl to the heart. <laughs> Wow, you could probably out drink me under the table any day. <laughs> I'm more I can, a Corona-Hyakin guy. <laughs> I can pretty much out drink anybody at this point, I think. And I don't know if I should be proud of that or not, but, you know, there it is. Oh, and um, what made you came up with the idea of the unwritable rent for your podcast? And, you know, you're still early on. You have a couple of episodes in. I heard a couple of your episodes. They're really amazing. If, if, you know, hearing you, it sounds like you've been doing this forever. What was the process about it, and how did you, like, what was the brainchild like? What was the embryonic stages like? Like, how did you come up with it? Well, um, you know, it's funny. I was listening to Bill Burr's podcast. He's a comedian that I, I adore. I just, I think he's genius. And the way that he was able to, you know, fill in like a half hour of just storytelling, I thought was just very interesting. And I thought, you know, I have all these stories that I would love to tell that, I would never actually put in writing, you know, because when I'm working on essays, they're, you know, they're more literary based. They're not so much, you know, the, the daily minutia for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of where the unwritable rant came from is because I wanted a chance to, you know, talk about all the, the wacky stories I wouldn't necessarily put in print. Um, when your first episode is just you talking, you basically, you know, pouring out your soul to the people, um, is it harder than it sounds like? It sounds like it's so easy for you. It sounds so fluid. Is it? Is it like that fluid for you, or did you f up a few times before starting it? Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, actually, yeah. that first episode I recorded in one take. I mean, there's little bits wow. of editing in there just to eliminate like breathing and everything, yeah. but uh, that's like stream of consciousness. Wow. Well, I'm thinking because you're, yeah. you're used to talking with other people anyway, so it's 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 really like osmosis to you. It's really easy, right? Uh, it is, yeah, because I go in and, you know, in, in my head I've kind of mapped out a little bit about what I want to talk about. And now, you know, with now that I've done it a couple of times, I know kind of how to outline it a little bit just on paper. So I've got just a, a very loose flow. So, you know, I know points that I want to make. And then just kind of, you know, drink my way through it. <laughs> um, do you drink it every single episode or? Every single episode. Wow. Not that I get hammered or anything like that, but no, yeah. Of course not. Yeah. No, so it's not, it's not fake. You're not saying you're drinking bourbon. You have water. You're actually drinking bourbon. I am actually drinking bourbon because okay. <laughs> what I All want, right, <laughs> you know, what I want the podcast to be, you know, I, I don't want people to think that I'm just like talking at them. You know, I, I want to encourage people to, you know, drink with me, you know, like we're just a couple of buddies hanging out at a bar, you know, it's to, just cozy up with me and let's let's talk about, you know, the stuff that's going on and, you know, in our lives. Yeah, And then you transition to interviews, too. Um, there was the interview portion, something that you always wanted to do. Like, do you do you feel more comfortable talking to the people, or do you feel comfortable doing interviews with, you know, celebrities, authors? Um, which is your preference? I love doing both. Um, I think having a balance of the two really keeps it interesting because nobody wants to listen to me talk, you know, half an hour every week just, you know, about my grocery shopping. You know, that's that's going to get old. It's going to get boring. And there are so many other cool people out there who have cool stories to tell. You know, so I love being able to talk to these people who, you know, I admire or, 
you know, who are making, you know, changes or doing cool stuff, you know, and hearing how they, you know, go about that. That's, you know, that's incredibly fun for me. What is your most marked characteristic about yourself? Wow. Probably my dedication. You know, when I start something, I'm going to see it through. You know, I, I love the challenge that, you know, the podcast brings me because it gives me new ways to be creative. What comments or re- reactions do you get from other other people you interview? Like, do, um, do, they, do they say, oh, wow, you was great? Or they're just, you know, do they, do they love the way you talk to them? Do they love the way you interview them? You know, the reactions have been incredible. In fact, I interviewed uh, Bob Romanus, who was, um, he played Mike Damone in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It it was a great interview. And I I knew that um, Anthony Cumia, who's a broadcaster, is a big fan of his. So I reached out to him before the interview and just said, you know, hey, I'm going to be talking to Damone. Do you have any questions for him? So, you know, he kind of responded back and gave me a question for him, which I included in the interview. So when it posted, I sent it to Anthony Cumia. And he came back and said, wow, that was such a great interview. So I said, well, hey, you know, do you want to be on the show, too? And he was like, absolutely, let's do this. So, you know, it's it's really cool to have these people who are, you know, established broadcasters and actors, you know, coming back and saying, wow, really good job. You know, you you challenged me. You know, I'm, I'm having a blast talking to you. You know, that's that's powerful stuff. Yeah, you know, and, you know, it makes people... You know, you talk to say, oh, you have to talk to this lady right here. She's really good. Uh, you know, it's, you know, word of mouth and, you know, one hand washes the other. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's a good ego boost and it's a good self-confidence that, you know, you feel, you could talk to Barbara Walters if you wanted. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would have so much fun doing that. Although I don't know if she drank doing her, during her interviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could, you could probably make Oprah cry. You never know. Yeah, I think it'd just be because I'd like stepped on her foot or something like that. I don't think we'd get along real well. Um, um what is your favorite food, music, clothes, cars, etc.? Oh, all the best. The best of everything. <laughs> well, with food, you know, with New Orleans being, you know, my the home of my soul, I love Creole cooking. I love seafood, you know, anything that's involved in a gravy or with, you know, rice or, you know, pasta or something like that. Just rich, awesome, full calorie. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. That gumbo crawfish. I love I will crack those suckers in half and just like suck the brains out. It's so good. Yeah. Eating like a sunflower seed. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just chomp on those things. They're so good. Yeah. How about music? Or what, what type of music you like? Because, you know, I'm sure rock and roll, right? Is probably your favorite. Yeah, that's well, that's what I started listening to. Uh, but I've actually kind of evolved a little bit now. Well, for the past couple of years, I've been really heavily involved in the country music scene. You know, I feel like, um, you know, it's it's kind of going back to the roots of, of music. You know, you've got this, this cool Americana sound. You know, it's got a little bit of rock influence to it. You know, great lyrics. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And especially today, you know, it's taken kind of a, a sexier turn. So it's, it's just, it's a great genre. What about your favorite clothes? I'm sure it's not Gap. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, I don't get along with the Gap after they denied me employment a long time ago. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, um, I really, I, I like a couple different designer lines. I'm a big fan of Vince, Free People, if I'm, you know, feeling a little bit more bohemian. You know, I just, I like to look put together, but, you know, not like 
done up. I like something that's a little bit more laid back and casual, but still, you know, cool. Oh, any particular cars that you like, or you, like, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, I drive a little sports car, and that's probably my dad's fault because I grew up around. My dad used to uh, drag race, so. I grew up around a whole lot of muscle cars and, you know, uh, hot rods and stuff like that. So the second I could, I went out and bought a little sports car of my own, which I love. Julia, what is your greatest regret? I can't say that I regret anything that I've done personally. I would probably say that the, the biggest regret I have is actually not going to my grandmother's funeral. Oh, wow. Oh, my. Yeah. I, well, I was living, I was living in L.A. at the time, uh, and I was... You know, I was really fighting to hold on to a job during a whole big round of layoffs. And when my grandmother passed, I, there was no possible way I could leave town. Oh so, uh, you know, I was stuck. And unfortunately, you know, she wasn't as beloved in my family uh, and through my extended family as, you know, I felt about her. So I feel bad that I wasn't there to represent her. Uh, how long ago was this? years oh gosh maybe maybe 15 years uh, oh, something wow. like that it's kind of funny because it's still impacting your life and you always will remember that so it's just you know you know that, that's you're always you're never going to forget that right i know and i'm glad that i have that memory and i'm glad that i feel that way because it just it reminds me that you know that she was an influence in my life you know she and i when i was a kid you know we used to make up stories together you know uh, I think she's one of the, the people who sparked, you know, my creativity. So, you know, I'm glad that I can think of that and remember her that way. Um, so far on your podcast, who so far has been your favorite interview so far? Oh, that that's easy. That would be um, A.E. Hotchner. He's an author. He was Ernest Hemingway's best friend. And Ernest Hemingway is my favorite writer in the world. Uh, I, li I like to, you know, imagine myself, you know, a protege of his. So to talk to somebody who knew him personally, you know, who traveled with him, who edited his work, it was just so, so mind-blowing. You know, it really made my hero come alive to me. Um, Ernest Henry was one of your biggest inspirations for writing as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he is hands down the greatest writer. Just the, the way that he has with language, you know, he really, he takes very simple words and gives them such impact in a very distinct way. You know, I, I will, I will always admire just the, the command he has of, of putting words together. It's, it's incredible. Um, writing, um, how long does, it, how, how long does the process take for you? Do you have to go in hibernation and like think of stuff or is it something that comes naturally? You know, have, how some people could just write, you know, on a whim. Yeah, you know, um, I have kind of an odd process to writing. I mean, a, a lot of people will, you know, sit down every day and, you know, put words on the page. I have um, what I call the word vomit method. And I kind of, when I, <laughs> when I have an idea, I let it stew. You know, I'll, I'll sit there and I will think about it. You know, I'll be watching TV or staring at the wall or, you know, just, just doing nothing. But it's in my head and I'm kind of working everything out. Uh, until finally I'm at the point where I can sit down in front of my computer and just, you know, vomit up the entire, you know, thing that's been in my head. Uh, and that, you know, that'll take a couple of hours. And then, you know, what takes the most time, of course, is the editing. And for that, you know, I, I lock myself into a room and I turn into, you know, the crazy drunken writer at that point. <laughs> um, how many cups of bourbon you go through? 
Oh, <laughs> I suppose it depends on what I'm working on. <laughs> I, I try not to go through too many. You know, I, I can say, though, that I've, I've definitely polished off a good, you know, half a bottle of bourbon on long, long nights. Do you feel the podcast at times is it a blessing or a curse because... Because, you know, you have to do your writing. And then sometimes, you know, I, you know, with my podcast myself, you know, you always have to be ahead of the game. You always have to have guests and you always have to be, you know, you always have to book people or you don't have to, if you have somebody that flakes out on you, then either you're doing it by yourself. Um, is it more of a blessing or a curse? Well, there's definitely more of an immediacy to the podcast. So, you know, I can't procrastinate that. You know, if there's an interview coming up, I know that I have to have questions done. I know that I have to be prepared. Whereas you know, if I'm just working on like one of my books, I can, you know, let that slide a little bit. Uh, so in a way, you know, it, it it's definitely a challenge for me to try and figure out what has more importance at a certain point in time. But right now, I think the podcast is just a huge blessing. You know, it's it's uh, it's taking off in ways that I really didn't expect. Uh, and I'm just I'm having so much fun with it. Is there any dream interview you would like to have? Like, if you, if, you can, if you can give me, like, a top five you would love to have on your podcast, who would, who would it be? Well, do they have to be living or dead? Um, I'm living. <laughs> uh, living. Well, you know, there, there's a bunch of people that I'm, I'm actually working on getting that I don't want to quite give away yet because sure. uh, it, it's looking like we, we might get them. But kind of like the, the uh, top tier people. Uh, I would love to talk to Jeffrey Sakarian. He's a master chef, just a, a wonderful, just he knows food so well. And uh, on that same line, I would love to talk to Jacques Pepin. He is the master of French cooking. He's just, he he loves food so much. I would just love to sit down and talk to him about, you know, the food that he loves and, you know, his his cooking and his cookbooks and everything. I think Jacques Pepin would probably be number one. And the station sure you also cook yourself. Do you do like all types of food, lasagna, uh, um, baked ziti, like steak, ribs, everything, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I will cook anything and everything. In fact, during the winter, that's probably the um, the thing I love to do most with my guy is that we will pick a couple of really challenging recipes and spend an entire day cooking. In fact, uh, it almost led to my guy's ultimate demise. We were <laughs> we were making this ridiculous. Uh, puff pastry dish. Uh, and if, if you don't know, puff pastry is, it's like a pastry dough and it has literally a thousand layers to it. So you create this dough and you have to continually fold it over with butter so that ultimately get, you know, a thousand layers to it. And he was just rolling and folding all day long. And, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, I'm making this, this amazing stew in the background and we're having a blast. But, you know, by the end of it, he's like, I am never doing that again. That was brutal. <laughs> what in life makes you most happy? I think, you know, being in love and, and experiencing life and sharing that with, with my guy. We, we try so many different things and we travel and just being able to, you know, have all these different experiences with him is, is wonderful. Um, you also have a, um, another book on the works, right? Correct? I do. Home is Where We Are Not. It's a collection of travel essays about uh, places that my guy and I have been. Oh, okay. And you've been to a lot of places, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we love traveling. In fact, we're getting ready to hit the road. Every spring and summer, we do a ton of traveling. So we've got, 
you know, uh, we're going to Aruba coming up and then we've got another New Orleans trip and then just all sorts of other just random road trips during uh, the summer that I'm really looking forward to. So um, are you are you in Sahara? I am a huge horror fan. It's been something that I've loved since I was a little kid. And I think it's actually something that's kind of shaped who I am in a weird sort of way. Um, what kind of horror do you like? Do you like the 70s horror or the or the horror that we have now, like with The Walking Dead and Ash and the Evil Dead? You know, of course, you talked about the Slayer show. Buffy uh, um, the Vampire Slayer. Like what, do you like, like the dark horror or like the horror with comedy? Uh, I love 70s horror. I have a soft spot for exploitation films, but my personal preference is for the extreme gore movies. Like why? Like, give me, give me a few movies out there. Uh, well, ones that you would probably have heard of would be like Cannibal Holocaust, oh, um, wow. or like the Guinea Pig series. Uh, I love the the extreme French horror movies like uh, High Tension, uh, Inside, oh Martyrs. You know, I, I like the really dark, you know, kind of fucked up stuff. It's very rare that I hear a woman say that because my wife hates me. She's like, what is wrong with you when you watch it? Are you mentally sick for watching these type of movies? It's refreshing to hear you say that because you actually like these movies. Like, when I was watching The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. she wanted she, she was almost like hating me. Like, why the F did you bring me here? You know, saying because, you know, this, the whole scene with the bird and then, you know, the, the, the mom with the baby. And oh, the, yeah. And the, you know, that, that really effed her up. Like, this, well, I'm, when you watch that, did it do anything to you? Or are you just like, oh, shit, the school? <laughs> uh, you know, I, the reason I watch it now is because a lot of that makes me challenge who I am. You know, I like watching this really dark stuff and then feeling, you know, it, really evaluating why I'm watching it. You know, what is it that I like about this? Uh, you know, why is this exciting? I I really like movies that push my boundaries. Yeah, like, I don't like, you know, it's weird because, you know, I, I'm a big fan of The Exorcist. Oh, yeah, that movie is just terrifying. Yes, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to say this is horror, but I love the elephant, um, um, the elephant man with um, Anthony Hopkins. Is it brilliant? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful movie. Yeah, like you know, people consider it horror, but I don't really consider. I, I consider it more of a tragedy, but it's horrific what happens to him. And even though he looks deformed and everything, the real horror people there were the people that were mistreating him. You know, like I was more scared of that guy who kept like harassing him and having those people party in there than the elephant man himself. Oh, yeah. It's movies like that, you know, where you really get to see the dark side of human nature. Yeah, and then um, the Evil Dead trilogy and um, um, the whole Walking Dead series. Are you a fan of the Walking Dead? Uh, I am. I like it. I'm not a huge zombie fan, but I think the series is really well done. I actually prefer the Ash vs. Evil Dead series only because it's it's more in your face, you know, it's a little bit more exciting, uh, you know, a little more raunchy. It's, it's just, it's, it's cool. You know, it's hyper, hyper violence. Yeah, we are also as on stars too, as opposed to Walking Dead is on AMC. So there's only so much they can get away with on that channel. Very true. And, and they really do push the boundaries. I mean, with what they show, it's definitely an intense series. Yeah. And um, the American Horror Story um, shows like that as well. I did up until the last season, which I thought was just positively awful. Yeah. Although I hated the first season and I hated this recent season. Everything in between I thought was great. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, the whole um, I Spit in Your Grave series, you like the remake or the, um, the original? Oh, the original. I mean, 
I actually prefer Last House on the Left, uh, the original. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I Spit on Your Grave is good, but uh, Last House on the Left just has all these wacky elements to it. You know, on one hand, it feels like you're watching a snuff film. On the other, it's got this wacky comedic element to it that just feels so dramatically out of place, you know, that, that you're watching it going, what the hell am I looking at? It's, it's brutal and intense and then oddly funny. It's, it's the perfect combination of everything. Um, is there any um, horror films you're looking forward to now? I actually just saw The Witch, and it was fantastic. I, don't, I, heard, a, I heard a lot of good things about it. I haven't seen the film, but it's really good. It's, it's incredible. It's definitely different than what uh, you would expect for a horror movie. In fact, I wouldn't necessarily call it horror, although it does have very graphic imagery to it. It's just this, this really complex story where You've got this family who's isolated and they're being plagued by something that they don't understand, you know, and it isn't until the very end where it kind of becomes clear what's going on. Uh, so you never really know what the evil is. And it's just this, this intense, unsettling atmosphere that's just so engrossing. I, I loved it. I was blown away. Well, you said that you don't know what evil is. It sort of reminds me of the movie on The Village with on M. Night Shyamalan. Did you see that? I did. And I think this is the better take on what he was going for in that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, did you like that movie? No, I hated it. For real? Why? I did. I cannot stand M. Night Shyamalan. I hate him. I hated, I, I just saw The Visit and it did nothing but piss me off. Oh, uh, so you were, you, are you, were you telling me you were not a fan of the success at all? I saw the ending like from the beginning and, you know, it's just, it was telegraphed in. I, I get it. It was, it was, you know, kind of groundbreaking and twisty at the time. But he's made the same damn movie ever since. Yeah, I know. He, like, he kind of dropped the ball. But, you know, um, Signs was a really good movie with Mel Gibson. I, think I thought that was one of his better movies, too. There were a couple of good moments in that movie. But again, and like everybody says, you know, the bad guys come to a planet where they can die if they touch the ground, you know, <laughs> it just, it made no sense to me. You know, if, if you're going to make a villain, you know, one, don't show it to me at the very end, looking like somebody wearing a rubber suit, you know, and, and two, don't put it on some stupid premise where, you know, th these aliens are, are landing on a planet that will kill them. It just, it, it the whole thing, it, I just, I can't, I hate this guy. I hate his movies. Wow. I hold him again. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more than you expected, but yeah, no, I, I, I really am not a fan of his. Um, are you a fan of the, um, the horror coming into television, you know, the Exorcist TV series, The Omen, Bates Motel? Are you a fan of movies that are being translated into the small screen? I think it's lazy, you know? I, if you're going to make a new horror series, you know, reinvent something, you know, like they did with Ash vs. the Evil Dead, you know, it's a spinoff, but it's original. You know, what they're doing with The Exorcist is just retelling the same story with different actors. And it's never going to be as good as the original. You know, why bother? Are you a fan of Clive Barker's Hellraiser? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Clive Barker, I'm, he's such a conflicting writer because I feel like, you know, his stories are full of these great images and everything, but they don't entirely pan out. Uh, you know, like Nightbreed Not is one of my favorite movies, but it's it's so full of holes, you know, and. And you never, you know, it, it doesn't have a very conclusive ending, and that's that's kind of annoying. But I love his characters. I think they're beautiful. 
you know, as, you know, as a writer, you say you like a beginning, you write a beginning, a middle, and an end. Do you hate movies that don't have an end, but it's like almost leaves you hanging? I don't mind if a movie leaves me hanging, but it needs to be conclusive. Uh, you know, the the distinction being, you know, you need to be left satisfied. You know, not wondering what you missed. You know, or wondering, you know, where it's going to go. It, it has to feel final. Have you ever thought about? Um like writing a horror, horror fiction, like a horror book, or that's not something that's in your immediate future? It's not in my immediate future. I mean, every so often, uh, I have a couple short stories that I've done, uh, kind of like a, um, almost like Dexter a little bit, very serial killer-like. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's something that I play with. It's it's definitely not not what I prefer to write. I really more do that just to, you know, break up creative spells, you know, to to shake out the cobwebs, sort of, you know. But it's not not my preference. Like, um, who's your favorite? My my last question here: Who's your favorite like horror icon? Um, hmm. Freddy Thirteen, Freddy Krueger, Jason, uh, Pumpkinhead, and you know anything, anything. Well, I think the greatest face of horror would be um, Reagan McNeil in The Exorcist. That makeup that they did, you know, the way that they created such a demonic you know really visceral you know hits you in the gut kind of kind of character i think that is probably the scariest thing i've ever seen my final the set the complete the ending question to you what would the juliet miranda of today tell the juliet miranda of yesterday you are going to be okay you know life was you know, crazy and a lot of stuff was going on and I had a lot of heartbreak and a lot of job layoffs. And, you know, there were times when I was just going through all this madness and I'm like, you know, is it worth it? Am I going to get through this? You know, is what is going to become of me? And I just, you know, I would just want to tell myself, you know what, stick the course, you're going to be okay. Because it, it and in the, in the end, you know, everything does work out. You know, it might not be how you thought it would, uh, it could be a million times better. It It's always going to be okay. Juliet, um, plug your social media, plug anything you have coming up, um, any gifts you have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. The unwritablerant.com is the home of everything. You can find my podcast there. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can find all of my essays. You can find a link to buy my first book. And then when my next two books come out, those will be available through there as well. So Kind of like the uh, the big hub, the unwritablerant.com is all about me. Uh, and that's how it should be. It's all about you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> of course. And I hope everybody out there, no, no, no problem. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.